So today our interview is with Direct Sun. Hi there, and welcome to the podcast. Hello. Thanks for having me, Marks. Absolutely no problem. It's what ZineQuest is all about. Would you like to take a moment to introduce yourself and let us know what you do in indie tabletop role-playing games? Sure. As you said, I am Direct Sun. I am a longtime tabletop adventure enthusiast. Been playing RPG and adventure games for a while now, and just recently gotten into the old school revival scene. It's totally what I've been missing. I have been designing adventures in my head for quite a while, and I figured, hey, why not just throw them into the universe? Absolutely. Well, that sounds like you've got a project lined up for ZineQuest then. Do you want to give us a bit of an elevator pitch as to what that is? My ZineQuest project is if you were inside of a Legend of Zelda puzzle dungeon. But it's a tabletop adventure, and instead of Link, you play as a group of grubby grave robbers. Also, it's eyeball-themed. That sounds <laughs> pretty good. Uh, do you want to give us the name of that as well, whilst we're... Yeah, it's called Puzzle Dungeon, The Seer's Sanctum, just in case you forget what it's supposed to be. <laughs> that's a good pun. Like, that's sort of both Legend of Zelda-themed and OSR-themed, which is almost the perfect intersection of interests for me. So that sounds very cool. I know, right? Do you want to tell us why you particularly wanted to pick up on the Legend of Zelda part of that? Yeah, one of my favorite games growing up was Ocarina of Time. Ah, oh, big same. When I first started playing D&D, I really wanted the dungeons to be that way. When I heard that there were puzzles and there was combat, I was like, wow, everything's going to be designed like this, it's going to fit together, it's going to be a puzzle box, they're going to have aha moments all the time, and I was a little disappointed with what was out there. <laughs> yeah, puzzles are interesting because um, a lot of the time players don't like puzzles, like GMs like puzzles. Yeah. And players kind of either find them too easy or too difficult, and there's the sort of a, this, it, it can be difficult to get the balance right. So I think if you have that kind of way of thinking and you can tell people how to run them, then that would be such a fantastic resource for people. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm very into what you're talking about here. In my experience, players don't like filler puzzles. Mm, that's probably it. Yeah, that, that don't have any reason for them to be there, just kind of like a riddle, maybe. Yeah. It just doesn't make sense in the context of everything together. That's one of the things that I wanted to address. Because Zelda isn't like, it's not a combat game, is it? It is a puzzle game yeah. to a certain extent, and it is a platformer game. So I totally see everybody likes Zelda, you know, it's very, <laughs> it's very popular. And they don't like it for the combat because the combat is kind of dull. They like it for the puzzles and they like it for the platformer aspects. So yeah. I'm very intrigued. Yeah, they, they like a good mix. Is, is there a sort of backstory to this, or is it just a, a puzzle dungeon that you can drop into any adventure? You can run it as a one-shot, probably take about four to six hours, or you can use it as the start to a planar hopping campaign, and you can just drop mm, the players cool. off wherever you'd like to take the campaign. Yeah, I, I tried to keep most of the filler out of it, uh, but give you enough to, to work on to plug it in where you wanted to. Four to six hours is a good length for a one or, or, or a two shot. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Didn't want to make it too long. As a new father, my time is limited. I want to try and make sure that uh, I can you know, play my sessions in, in one or two sessions, because otherwise you know, scheduling is just big to do. 
yeah, that's definitely kind of what most indie games feel like to me. It's more like, a, oh, let's uh, let's arrange something. Oh, actually, it turns out it's really difficult to arrange stuff. Certainly, uh, long-term campaign play is not, not what I'm into at the moment. Yeah, that, that's pretty cool. Did you have a particular system in mind when you designed it? I did have a system in mind. System neutral. (laughs) The best system. Indeed. Uh, So I included monster stats from uh, Old School Central's BX, but you can really plop in any monsters that you want because in true OSR fashion, you challenge the players and not their characters. Yeah, I mean, I guess system isn't really the applicable bit. The applicable bit is that it's OSR mood rather than, uh, I don't know, D&D mood or indie mood. And when I first heard of OSE and I started playing, you know, some of the more rules light games like Nave, Maze Rats, I was just completely blown away. And I said, this is the medium that puzzles need. You don't have to worry about player power curves. Yes, they can find ways to skip over puzzles, but that's encouraged because it requires creative problem solving with what they have. OSR is not, it's not the kind of games that I normally play, but that's only because I've never found one that suited me. But like something that focuses on puzzles or, you know, something that supports the idea of players being interested in puzzles and characters solving puzzles, that's, that's very much something I'm interested in. So. Yeah, I wanted to focus on interactivity as well, because you can't really get that in a Zelda game, but you can get it in a tabletop adventure game. For sure, yeah. Should spark that dialogue between the player and the referee. And, Mm. you know, that's what experimenting in this dungeon is kind of about. You you poke, you prod, you go around to the rest of the dungeon, just like in the Zelda dungeons. You get more knowledge, uh, you learn, get some more items, and you come back and you say, aha, now I have discovered a solution. And you find all the golden sculptures and exactly <laughs> all the pieces of heart, etc. And then you're done. It's made me very nostalgic for that kind of <laughs> time again. So um, do you want to tell us a little bit about your Kickstarter campaign then? Yeah. So Kickstarter runs from February 8th to February 22nd. Yeah. I'm offering, you know, the, the usual tiers, PDFs, print and PDFs. Uh, but I also have the pupil tier, as I call it. Oh, very good. And they're just community copies for students and those experiencing financial hardship. Excellent. Yeah, the, the number of those is determined by how many people purchase at the dad joke tier. Sorry, I'm liking the names of these tiers already. They're very good. I haven't actually told you the name of the dad joke tier. It is the cornier true seer, seer tier. <sighs> All right. I mean, I can't talk because the dad jokes are all on me most of the time. That one in particular gets you a signed copy, your name in the book, and a custom eye-related dad joke. (laughs) Well, uh, you win. I think you win the internet for today. So congratulations. You may claim your prize from Twitter. Thank you. I will take my plastic cake dish. We also have some tiers that will get you some miniatures. Oh, cute. Yeah, I've custom sculpted and painted some of the monsters from the adventure. That's very cool. In the future, when you're able to see people again and communicate and be around a physical table, you can pop out one of these babies and they'll be like, wow, where have you been? You can say, I'm collecting eyeballs, obviously. <laughs> that's really creepy, but also I'm very <laughs> into that. Well, that's, I want to say wonderful, but generally just kind of horrifying but also really cool so yeah congratulations for thinking of a cool tier that's exactly the balance (laughs) i was trying to strike so spot on half awesome half horrifying 
what is it that you're hoping to fund with the with the Kickstarter campaign? I want to fund a deluxe print version. Yeah. I think when I first started getting into the OSR, I saw Questing Beast's channel, Ben Milton. Yeah. I just love his stuff. Hint, by the way, if you watch all of his videos several times, it's a masterclass in designing adventures. <laughs> yeah. I, so I wanted to do something like that. I wanted something with one to two page spreads, something you could do with little to no prep work. Yeah. You know, just open it up at the table yeah. and you're good to go. Part of that is a removable cover. So it harkens back to old timey D&D adventures where you remove it, you open it up, and there's a map for you right there. Just put it on the side. You can reference it. It, it has notes on it. That's really nice. Yeah. And you're good to go. That's cool. How do you um, How do you actually get that in terms of fulfillment you know have you found a print shop that'll do that for you not everyone can do this and i actually had to do some finagling with mixum nice they're the ones that do it they've been getting pretty popular i think there's like some structural reasons to that which is they're better quality than ttrpg and they've also continued to do saddle stitching when dtrpg have just said we're not going to do that anymore when i heard that i was like oh man that's a big that's a big to do to all the zines out there uh, loads of people have found them to be so kind of helpful and useful and have actually like got them doing things that they wanted to do like manual individual fulfillment and yeah like you said removable covers and foil stamping and all sorts so yeah. they're a really really decent company i rate them big time and i had a particular vision with this especially with all the eyeballs involved. And uh, I just felt like Mixum was uh, uh, the right way to go. They they were able to fulfill that. Are you working with any other people on this or is it just you? So I contracted uh, Alex Sorensen to do the uh, the big centerpiece uh, on the cover there, the, the floating eyeball monster. Lovely. Yeah, he's done work on Stitian Library and Electric Bastion Land. I absolutely love his stuff just ink drenched and full of just feeling electric bastion land is one that uh, i haven't yet managed to play but i kind of get a lot of the vibe from it from talking to other people who are very into that scene so yeah, yeah i can kind of see where that art is coming from that sounds cool that sounds cool another thing i love about that too is that they have like some magic items that aren't useful all the time but only in particular situations which again encourages that creative problem solving that i love uh, I think, unless you've got any more Kickstarter details you yeah, want to give us. I think us. that's it. I just really wanted to stress the ease of use of the table and ain't no one got time to read the whole adventure thrice and find out what the <laughs> bad guy's hopes and desires and fetishes are. <laughs> yeah, this. so this is kind of an antidote to uh, Curse of Strath then, I guess. So. Oh, I guess you could say that, sure. Not for people with a, a phobia of eyeballs. No, definitely not. Direct Sun, where can we find you online? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Direct Sun Games. Uh, you can also check out directsun.itch.io, which is where I will be set up for future digital sales. Awesome. I guess all that remains for me to say is fantastically good luck with your Kickstarter campaign. Thank you so much, Marks. Yes Indeed Pod is hosted and edited by Mark Shepard of Marks of High Water. You can contact the show on Twitter at YesIndeedPod, that's Y-E-S-I-N-D-I-E-D-P-O-D, or support the show by leaving a rating or review, or donating through Ko-Fi at YesIndeedPod. Intro and outro music is from Take a Chance, and interstitial music is from BitQuest, both by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com and Filmmusic.io. Until next time, remember, does Indie need you? Yes, indeed. <laughs>